to the final week of our three-part Advent series on the promise of God, the person of God and the people of God. Two weeks ago we revisited the fact that God promised throughout multiple generations that he would make a way to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. Simply put that in the midst of people's struggles and striving, God promised that he, he, could, he could come through for them And he promised that the people could hold to the hope that he offered that he was going to do what he said he would do. We have to note in this that God's plan would come to its realisation irrespective of whether the people, A, believed that it would happen or not and, and B, irrespective of whether they wanted it to or not. That, that in a sense, helps us to understand the faithfulness of God that God will come through irrespective of, uh, of what the people were thinking or wanting because God's plans are, are greater than temporary fleeting failings or perspectives of different generations. His faithfulness cannot be broken. He said he would do it so regardless of humanity's perspective on the matter, he determined to fulfill his promise. That is, in essence, the sovereignty of God. It was never contingent upon Israel or contingent upon the Gentiles. Now, we know that God does respond to faith. God does respond and, and, and loves to, uh, to see faith in his children. But, but there are dynamics of God's interaction with humanity that, that because of his faithfulness, he'll just do what he said he would do. Yes, of course, the people played their part in, in this journey as instruments of God's grace and as instruments of God's judgment. But God's faithfulness to do what he said he would do is what ensured that he would do it. Last week, we revisited the person of God, which is the heartbeat of Christmas, the birth of the King of Heaven. The hope promised now became the hope fulfilled. We reiterated that we, we don't simply celebrate the birth of a child because there were inevitably numerous children born in Israel on the same day or night as Jesus Christ was born. Possibly not numerous children born in Bethlehem because we know it was a very modest place at the time. But it wasn't just about the birth of a child, but the birth of the promised person of God. And arguably fulfilling his promise in the most beautiful way possible. We touched on this last week, that in the choosing to empty himself of privilege, willing to become a servant of the very people who had so often held him at arm's length since the beginning of time. Of course, that the hope promised was only truly fulfilled in the substitutionary atonement of 
the cross. That is the willing death of Jesus Christ on the cross to atone for the sins of all people and to open the door to peace with God for all who would accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And within all that, there's a beautiful continuity. The promise of God pointed towards the coming person of God And when the person of God arrived, he fulfilled the promise and in many regards exceeded the people's understanding of that promise. So today we conclude with the people of God and specifically the people of the promise and person of God. The people who were birthed out of the promise and birthed out of the coming of the person of God. And it leads to questions that every single person, whether of any faith or none, wrestle with at various times in their lives. Questions like, who am I? What is the point in all of this? And for me, these questions hit really hard when I was at university. Perhaps you've asked those questions at some point in your life as well. Who am I and what is the point of it all? Questions that lead on from there. Why am I here? Does it actually matter that I'm here? Those were specific questions that that hit me when I was at university. And for some, would it actually matter if I wasn't here? I would argue that it's only in Christ that we can find a satisfactory answer to any of those questions. And only within a church functioning as it should, we will see those answers lived out and therefore impact the people who are part of that church. And it's hugely important today for us to be able to answer those questions. We know that mental health challenges are are on the rise, especially this year because of the the catastrophic fallout of of the lockdown. So we have to have an answer for those questions. Why am I here? Does it matter that I'm here? What is the point of any of this? 1 Peter uh, 2 verse 10 says these beautiful words. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Had it not been for the person of God arriving in Bethlehem and ultimately journeying to the cross and dying on the cross in that atoning sacrifice for our sins, we would not be God's people because we wouldn't have received that mercy. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. You had not received Mercy, but now you have received mercy. Had it not been for the atoning work on the cross, we wouldn't be God's people because we would not have received God's mercy. Therein lies the motivation to share the gospel with our friends and our family, uh, neighbours and work colleagues. Because if they aren't in Christ, they are yet to receive God's mercy. Who am I? Why do I exist? What is the point? Well, If you're in Christ, then you are part of the people of God. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God or God's people. Why do I exist and what's the point? Well, we follow the natural outworking of the simple truth that you are now part of the people of God. And what does that mean? Well, that means to live out the reality of being part of the people of God. Now, we're going to unpack that a little this morning. We're going to do it more through January. Simply put, that 
the continuity that we see between the promise given and the person of God arriving. During that time, the people were called to be a light unto the nations. And then when the person of God arrived, the call demonstrated in Jesus Christ, but the call to live out that light unto the world continued. We are the continuation of thousands of years of God's active and loving engagement with humanity. And if that isn't something to praise God for, then I'm, I'm not sure what else we can say. There's a continuity since the beginning of time. If you are of God, then you are a light unto the world. Many of us love how John conveys this in his gospel. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, that's been part of our Christmas uh, series, naturally, because it's probably part of every church's Christmas series uh, at the moment. Um, let me just read this. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus is the promise fulfilled, and everything hinges upon him. The one who was present at the point of creation was the source of every promise concerning his coming. Let me say that again. The one who was present at the point of creation was also the source of every promise concerning his coming. Jesus, along with the Father and the Spirit, was the source of the Old Testament promises about himself. Let that sink in. The same voice who led countless generations over thousands of years is the same voice that birthed the church, that is the people of God. And it's the same voice who, who led Abraham and Isaac through Moses on, up until David and beyond. And it's the same voice who leads every single person today who calls him Lord and Saviour and is willing to put his opinion above every other opinion who's willing to put his perspective above every other perspective. The continuity of the promise seen in the person is then found in the people of God. So we ask the question, what is God's plan for our lives? Well, it's simply to be part of this incredible adventure that was birthed in the garden, clarified after the fall, and that has been lived out over thousands of years. We continue what was started until God determines that the time is to be drawn to a close. To actively engage in God's work. And that, and that counts for every single one of us, because to be a disciple of Christ is to continue the work of Christ. To stand on the shoulders of giants. We've heard that amazing phrase used so often. To stand on the shoulders of giants of our faith. Starting with the closest companions of Christ as we hold our Bibles, as we open the word of God. 
We can stand on the shoulders of giants as we read God's word, drawing inspiration and encouragement from from those that we read, but also drawing inspiration and encouragement from people who have faithfully continued the work of Christ ever since. You see, to be the people of God is to respond to the call of God to be intentional in our faith. Because God isn't finished yet. Yes, the, the, the gap between heaven and earth has been bridged. But what use is a bridge over a chasm, over a, an expanse of uncrossable space, if people don't know where the bridge is and don't know how to cross it? Let me say that again. What, what use is this bridge? Jesus Christ is the bridge that is that is that has bridged that gap between heaven and earth, what use is the bridge over this vast chasm of space if people don't know where the bridge is or how to cross it? A helpful picture for me is to imagine a vast canyon with perhaps a multitude of people lined up along its edge. Maybe for you right now, you could picture people that you love. Picture people from your family, your your friendship uh, network, your, your, your neighbours, your work colleagues, all standing on the edge of a, a canyon, right on the cliff edge, looking right over the expanse. In the distance, they can see something beautiful. In the distance, across the canyon, they can see something beautiful. You see, on their side, it's their human existence, but it's devoid of any intimate relationship with God and devoid of the eternal hope of life after death in God's presence. These things that we just take for granted now as part of God's children. But here we have our friends, our family, our neighbours, our work colleagues, all standing on the edge of this canyon, looking out over the expanse towards something beautiful that is so out of reach. And, and I just can imagine those people right now in our community standing on the edge of the precipice looking out and longing for we might call the promised land the hope that is unshakable wishing that their deepest longings could be fulfilled their hearts cry being how can I cross over to the place of perfect peace. And here we are, standing alongside them with the knowledge that there is a way, that a bridge has been built, a bridge that bridges the gap and answers their deepest questions, fulfills their deepest longings. As the people of God, what are we called to do? Well, it's really quite simple. We're called to lead them along the canyon's edge to the place where the bridge is found. To lead them to the person of God who bridges the gap. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate the coming of the one who would bridge the gap between heaven and earth. And and now that we know the person of God. Now that we are the people of God, we can have a massive impact on our communities.
That's a large part of what it means to be intentional as the people of God, to continue the work that was hinted at throughout the Old Testament and ultimately started in the coming of Christ. That's what it means to be intentional as the people of God. What is the alternative? Well, the alternative is that we opt not to continue the work that was started. We, we opt to rest in our silence. Perhaps out of fear of offending people or standing out from the crowd. You see, the thing is, though, that in our silence, at the coming of the person of God who bridges the gap between heaven and earth, at our silence to that, the people's despair continues. They continue to stand at the edge of the precipice, looking out across the chasm towards that, that far-off hope, but not knowing how to possibly get there. In our lack of intentionality, their hopelessness prevails. But, but love compels us forward, doesn't it? Just as, as the love of God for you and I led him to, to empty himself of all privilege and come to live the life as a servant and then lay down his life on the cross to be that bridge. Just as God's love for you and I led him to do these things, so to our love for our friends, our family, our neighbours, our work colleagues, maybe even the stranger we pass on the street, that love compels us to be intentional in our desire to lead them along the canyon's edge to the only bridge to life. I think so often we want to just draw people back from the edge of the canyon, don't we? From that precipice. That's their human nature. But you know, People need to see the reality of life without God. They have to come to that point where they, they are at the canyon's edge, looking out and, and in a sense, devoid of, of hope until they hear of Christ. Because only then will they let go of every other uh, striving and trust in him. Where does this start? Well, in January, we're going to look at four, four different dynamics. We're going to look at a four-part series on the foundations of Christian living. And I truly believe that if we can embody these dynamics, if they can be embraced, we'll see incredible transformation in our own lives, but also in the lives of those who are part of our church. So it's going to impact us personally and our church, but also... It's going to impact those who are beyond the church. This four-part series, I think, is going to be instrumental in us moving forward as we look to be impactful. Because we've heard so much this phrase, we all want revival. Everybody wants revival. But the thing is, we can, we can cry out for revival in a passive sense, as if God's just going to come and do something. But I think we have to remember that revival begins in the church. It begins in the church and goes out from the church. Rather than us just sitting and waiting for God to do something, I believe God is gently reminding us that because 
because of the same power that raised Christ from the dead, because that lives in you and it lives in me, he's given us everything we need to live a fruitful kingdom life and to see a great harvest in our time. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and it lives in me. What more do we need? We all want revival, but we have to remember that it starts with us. The thing about revival as well is it will cost us. People have said in the past that salvation is free, but living out your salvation will cost you. And that's so true. Salvation is free in the sense that we rely on the work of Christ on the cross, but, but living out our salvation uh, beyond that point will cost us. It will cost us in terms of our sacrifice of the things of the world, our, our sacrifice of our own way in favor of God's way according to his word. It will cost us. And the question we have to ask is, are we willing to pay that cost? When we celebrate Christmas morning, we remember Jesus was willing to pay the cost. He emptied himself of all of his privilege. He emptied himself of his privilege, came to the world as a servant that he may lay down his life for us. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks for the fulfillment of your promise as we mark the birth of Christ. We understand this was the single most significant birth of all history. Because in the life and death of the promised child, it enabled the bridging of the gap between heaven and earth, the only bridge. And so we celebrate your gift of grace this Christmas. We celebrate your gift of hope this Christmas and we thank you for the hope promised and the hope fulfilled. We also invite you, God, to challenge us to respond to the picture that, that requires of us to lead people to the only bridge that bridges the gap between heaven and earth. Help us to live as he lived and help us to lead others to him in a manner that would mirror generations that have gone before us. Father, we can only do it by the power of your Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we, we ask you to lead us in a new way, in a significant and powerful way. Give us a burning desire to see people led to the bridge across that gulf, that uncrossable gulf without Christ. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.